To obey organized government is right. To disobey is death. This is your FBI. Step into the incredible, amazing future. Welcome to Free World Theory, the podcast you're not supposed to listen to. A Chaz Holloway production. I'm Bill Hergensen. In the last episode, we gave you the scientific definitions of ideal and operational freedom. In this episode, you'll discover the most fundamental aspect of society, property. And you'll discover how all political states begin their descent into tyranny. This is episode 11. 11. Property is the single most important aspect of any society anywhere. It always has been, it always will be. I have an introduction for this section on property that I do in live presentations, and it kills its great material. But for this podcast, at this time in American history, I need to talk about what's going on in the nation instead. There's at least 75 million people in the U.S. who, after the last election, are disgusted, angry, disenfranchised. They're sitting around watching the disintegration of the traditional American values they grew up with, and they're voiceless. They've been silenced by big tech and big media like they don't exist. 75 million people in America with no voice. They can't stand watching the fall of Western civilization anymore, so they've turned off the news. Actual news no longer exists anyway. You know what's on the news? China will curb rare earth minerals to cripple U.S. defense industry. Reddit CEO says deplatforming works. Socialism booms in Hollywood. New technology to track hate speech. American suburbia is causing climate change. That's what they see on the news every time they turn it on. So, they don't. Politics has changed. There's a new confederacy in town, and they're at work on the U.S. government. A gang of sociopaths is attempting to overthrow the United States. Some of them are big politicians who are blatant about it. Apparently, they see an opportunity to take over the kingdom. Others are in the shadows. They've changed election results. They've turned the nation's schools into propaganda centers. They rule the media. They promote hatred. And they have lots of followers. They've declared war on the Bill of Rights. And they're deliberately trying to crash the capitalist system. They want it destroyed. They tell vague stories to their followers about building some socialist paradise on the ashes. They've even dug up Karl Marx. They've heaved some perfume on his corpse and propped him up and they're calling him the New World Order. These are classic insurrection techniques. University intellectuals and writers and artists are often seduced by these kinds of crusades. They're dazzled by the idea of utopia. But here's a message to the followers of the new so-called democratic socialism. Marxism is not a form of government. It's a vehicle to power. That's all it's ever been. 
It's just a collection of catchphrase philosophies that pseudo-intellectuals buy into. Workers of the world unite. Abolish property. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. History is the struggle of one class against another. These are catchphrases, bumper stickers. Insurgents always dust off Karl Marx when they take over a nation. It gets gullible, well-intentioned people on their side. Once they get power, Marx goes out the window. From then on, it's regular old garden variety tyranny. So my message to the followers of democratic socialism is this. You are being used. The socialist push has nothing to do with building a sustainable planet or equality or improving your life. It's about power for the ruling class, and you are a convenient tool for them to get it. You won't like tyranny once you're in it. Ask people from the old Soviet Union, or China, or Cuba, or Venezuela how they liked it. If you want revolution, try one that empowers the individual, that taps into human creativity, that's based on freedom. Try free world theory instead. You're listening to Free World Theory, a podcast so revolutionary it still has that new idea smell. There's a reason conservative politicians are losing against National Socialism. There's a reason they can't defend their beliefs or the capitalist system. The most fundamental element of society is a phenomenon called property. It underlies everything we do. It's the single most important aspect in any society, whether an online society or one in a brick-and-mortar world. Property is like the term mass energy in physics. The exchange of energy from one form to another is what physics is all about. It's like the term life in biology. Life is what biology is all about. Well, property is what society is all about. Everything we do is an exchange of one kind of property for another. There are four kinds of property. Your life, your intellectual property, your human actions, tangible things. Trading these things is the only reason we have society. The accumulation and exchange of property is what society is all about. And the problem is nobody knows, or has ever known, what the word property means. I'm Chas Holloway. You're listening to the Free World Theory Podcast. Você está a ouvir o podcast da Teoria da Liberdade Universal. The word property has confused people for centuries. Every attempt to define it has been logically ambiguous, and this has stopped us from understanding what property is in a scientific way. Here's what logical ambiguity means. Ambiguity is defined as the condition in which information can be understood in more than one way. In other words, in an ambiguous statement, there's no clear choice between alternative interpretations. For example, there's a famous illustration from the book Alice in Wonderland of a caterpillar sitting on a mushroom smoking a hookah. You've probably seen it. Look that picture up and look at the caterpillar's face. Does the caterpillar have a man's face 
or are you seeing caterpillars' legs? The picture was drawn to be deliberately ambiguous. Both interpretations are true. Or take this example. Here's a sentence. I saw a man with a telescope. Does that mean you used a telescope to see the man? Or does it mean you saw a man who was carrying a telescope? There's no way to know based on the information in the sentence. It's ambiguous. We lack an understanding of what property is because the concept has always been ambiguous like the messages in these examples. The most famous and ambiguous definition of property is this one by the philosopher John Locke. He said, quote, Whatsoever a man removes out of the state that nature hath provided and left it in, he hath mixed his labor with and joined it to something that is his own, and thereby makes it his property. Now that's archaic language, so in other words, he's saying, a person's labor turns a natural resource into property. When you add your labor to something in nature, that thing becomes your property. Now this sounds reasonable until we look at it more closely. Take, for example, a liquor store. The store owner has used his labor, his planning, his assets, his actions to build his business. Therefore, the money in the register and the bottles on the shelves are his property. But let's say a couple of robbers break into the store and hold a gun on the owner, take the money out of the drawer, grab some bottles, and run. Well, they have also used their labor, their planning, their assets, their actions to get the money and the bottles. Doesn't that make the stuff they steal their property? According to Locke's definition, both these cases are true. The money and the bottles belong to the liquor store owner and the robbers. Locke's definition, when interpreted literally, is ambiguous. I'm Chas Holloway. Curious about free world theory? The book is available at Amazon.com. Binge read it today. Search for The End, The Fall of the Political Class by Chaz Holloway. To be fair, John Locke, the philosopher, wasn't talking about liquor stores. He was talking about natural resources, creating property out of raw nature for the first time. So, let's take an example of a farm. Imagine a farm from his era, the late 1600s. You're creating this farm for the first time out of raw nature. You put boundaries around the land, you put up buildings. You use your labor, your goals, your assets, your actions to create this farm for the first time. Therefore, the crops you grow on it are your property. Now, let's say you're successful, so you have to hire some workers to help work your farm. You can't do everything yourself anymore. And so now, these workers, they too, use their goals, their planning, their labor, their actions to raise the crops from the ground. Therefore, the crops then become their property. This example of logical ambiguity now arises. Who rightfully owns the farm? Who rightfully owns the crops? The farm owner says, my labor makes the profits from this farm my property. 
The farm workers say, my labor makes the profits from this farm my property. Both sides in this dispute have used their labor. Both sides are part of the removing things from the state that nature hath provided process. And all that John Locke says is that labor turns a thing into your property. Once again, Locke's famous definition is ambiguous. When you think about it, the same is true, not just with a farm, but with all sorts of businesses. A mine, oil companies, lumber mills, industrial companies, all kinds. And it's this very ambiguity that gives rise to the reasoning in the following clip by the famous socialist Michael Moore. To me, the solution is quite simple. Um, first of all, we're not broke. This country is not broke. State of Wisconsin is not broke. There's a ton of cash in this country, trillions of dollars of it, but it's a finite amount. There is only so much cash, all right? What's happened is, is that we've allowed a vast majority of that cash to be concentrated in the hands of just a few people, and they're not circulating that cash. If you don't believe that, go try and get a loan right now. They're sitting on the money. They're using it for their own stuff. They're putting it someplace else. They have no interest in helping you with your life with that money. We've allowed them to take that. That's not theirs. That's a national resource. That's ours. That We all have this. We all benefit from this, and we're, or we all suffer as a result of not having it. And, and I think that, that we need to uh, go back to taxing these people at the proper rates. Um, uh, they need uh, to, we need to see these jobs as something that we own, that we collectively own as Americans. And you just can't steal our jobs and take them someplace else. John Locke's famous definition is the closest the Enlightenment age thinkers ever got to a coherent definition of property. In the philosophy of law, this problem is well known. And the ambiguous descriptions of property throughout history have led jurists to believe that it's impossible to define property at all. Instead, all so-called modern societies now use another badly thought-out concept of property called the bundle of rights. I'm Chas Holloway for Free World Theory. Free World Theory, the podcast that remembers when America was a great country. Wait, that was only three years ago. In searching for a more coherent explanation of what property is, jurists have proposed that property doesn't refer to things you have at all. Instead, property is a, quote, bundle of rights, unquote, granted to people by a central authority. Here's a typical explanation of the idea from a law textbook. It says, quote, We tend to assume that owners have the right to do what they want with their property. This is only partly true. When use of our property affects others, our legal rights may be limited to protect the legitimate interests of others. Property rights are also limited to protect the interests of the community. Ownership does not mean the absolute right to control what one owns. Rather, it is the fullest bundle of rights the law will recognize." Unquote. The problem here is that this doesn't solve having no coherent idea of what property is. This is just a central power saying, I'll tell you what it is, and I'll tell you what it isn't, and you will obey. 
This so-called explanation of property doesn't answer anything. What are legitimate interests? The law doesn't say. What is an interest of the community? It doesn't say. What is a full bundle of rights? The law doesn't explain that either. The truth is, politicians, the people who write the laws, have no idea. The bundle of rights system breaks down into nothing more than the arbitrary opinion of whomever happens to be in power at the time. Congress raises taxes this year to satisfy some group's so-called legitimate interests. Or they regulate energy production for the benefit of the community because we're all worried about climate change. Who's to say they're wrong when all the property rights are legislated by them? And how is this different from a Soviet Union Politburo? How do politicians know how to protect property rights when they don't even know what property is? Once again, we have ambiguity. We have confusion. We have gibberish. Yet, this is the system every so-called civilized nation imposes on its people today. The problem of having no coherent definition of property has never been solved. And the bundle of rights system only imposes order at the point of a gun. I'm Chas Holloway for Free World Theory. You've been listening to the Free World Theory podcast. In the next episode, the first scientific definition of property in history. The Free World Theory Podcast is written and directed by Chaz Holloway. Also heard in this episode, Hayden Jones. I'm Bill Hergensen. For more information, visit FreeWorldTheory.com. The Free World Theory Podcast is copyright 2021 by Charles Holloway.